believe I could have listened to that song about three or four more times. God is still God. My absolute favorite scriptures, Hebrew 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, a lot of times I will reference that. And it is absolutely true that if God required holiness of the Old Testament, he required holiness of the New Testament. He requires holiness of us. We have spent far too long trying to acquiesce, trying to please the culture and trying to uh, do things that the culture might like. And I don't say this to be arrogant or confrontational or hateful this evening, but I could care less what society wants or desires I know what society needs. They don't need to come into the church house and feel it to be the same way as a nightclub or anything else that they walk into. When they come in, they need to know that God is still God and that what he required in the Old Testament and what he required in the New Testament has not changed and will not change, but it is still the same Jesus that hung on a cross as the same Jesus that is here tonight. That, but now what that also means is going back to that, what you sung just before God is God, Jesus on the main line. Can I tell you that that same Jesus that walked down the road and healed blinded eyes and casted out demons and, and opened the mouths of the dumb that were unable to speak and made fevers go away and raised Lazarus from the dead is still the same Jesus tonight. So yes, he is the same Jesus that required holiness, but he is also still the same Jesus. Jesus that we can call on when we need something. Matter of fact, over in Acts 4, it tells us that there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Matter of fact, exactly what it says, uh, Acts 4 and 12, if you want to read it, neither is salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, the thing was, was Peter had just preached and Peter and John had just seen someone healed and, and the, the Pharisees and the rulers and the scribes and the elders called them before them uh, and said, what is it happened? What's going on that 5,000 people have left our faith and come to you? My God, that we would see that happen in today's world, that we would have 5,000 people come out of secular society and come into the church and the city commission would come or the county council would come or the state government would come and pull us before them and say, what's going on that 5,000 people are no longer helping our economy, but they're helping your God, that we would see that in today's society and then we could stand before them and say, be it known unto you all and to all people of Israel, but that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead, even by him does this man, someone healed, someone saved, stand before you today. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Jesus Christ is the head of the corner. And then we could look at them and say, neither is salvation in any other. Neither is salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Oh, that we could see 5,000 come out of the world and into the church house and have a testimony like that to stand before man. 
All that was a bonus. That didn't have anything to do with my sermon. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. Now, I feel God wants to do something here tonight. Now, I will tell you that everything I say falls back on that. You must be saved. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said. You must be born again. Nicodemus said, how is it I can be born again? Can I crawl back into my mother's womb? No, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. The Spirit is what will draw you to Jesus Christ to submit your life to him at this altar. You must be born again. Let me tell you that before I go any further tonight. You must be born again. You must submit to that urge and that pull of the Holy Ghost to come up here and kneel down and say, God, I'm sorry. Jesus, I accept that you died for me on a cross. Jesus, I accept that you carried my sin away with every stripe that was laid down on your back. Jesus, I accept that the blood trickling down your forehead from that crown of thorns was trickling down to wipe away the sins that I have committed over the past X years of my life. You must be born again. That is one of the greatest gifts that God has. One of. But can I tell you that without the good gift, you can't make it. Now I'm not saying that to be a Debbie Downer or whatever you want to call it. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of biblical truth tonight. If you're not walking in the spirit, you're not going to make it. You might be sincere at this altar. And it absolutely is only the blood of Christ that will cleanse you and set you free. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. But unless you walk in and with the power of the Holy Ghost, I don't know that you can make it. Matter of fact, I don't know that you should reject it. Let's go to Luke 11, uh, 5 through 13. As you find that, if you would stand for the reading of the word, if you're able. Uh, if you want to just read it off of the screen, that's fine. Also, uh, I'll be real honest with you. I've got my Bible open right to it, but I'm probably reading it off the screen as well. <laughs> he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, how much more shall your heavenly Father... Oh, we missed this. We missed this. 
How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight. God, for the promises in your word, for the blood of Christ setting us free, and God, for the promised power of the Holy Ghost that is still present and active. God, I pray simply tonight that we could glorify and honor you. Nothing more, nothing less. God, that just that we could glorify and honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I got to looking at this text, and I, I kind of struggled through it and wondered through it and, and read it through and was trying to really get a, a good beat on it. And I, I will admit that even in myself, because so many times we read things and we don't read it all, that we skip through, that we miss parts of it. You know, we will often, and I have probably preached at times, and I certainly know others have, ask and keep asking and, and God will do. If you seek and keep seeking, then God will let you find. If you knock and keep on knocking, then God will open that door. But And I know that to be true. Don't misunderstand me. I know that if we are persistent in seeking after God, that He will give us good things. But this passage is purely about the good gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I know that we need the blood of Jesus Christ to be set free. There's salvation in no other name under heaven. You can't call out on Buddha. You can't call out on Muhammad. You can't call out on your neighbor. You can't call out on grandma. It must be the name of Jesus Christ that you call upon to be set free. It has to be the blood of Jesus Christ that covers your sins so that you can stand before God and hear Enter in my good and faithful servant. There's no other way for that to happen. It has to be by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can be a good person. You can never do harm to anyone all the days of your life. You can give to every charity known to man under the sun. You can carry in groceries for your elderly neighbor. You can go fix your other neighbor's water. You can never speak a bad word about anybody. But unless you have the blood of Jesus Christ covering you, you, you will never enter in into the gates of heaven. There's no other name. And I know that because he loved us so much that he sent his son to die. Not just send his son for us, but to die for us so that we don't have to die and go to hell because of what we've done. He loved us that much so that we could find eternal life in his son. Now, why would he not give to me exceeding abundantly more than I can think or ask? That's how Paul puts it. I know that God wants to do good for his children. I've seen people miraculously healed. I've seen financial breakthroughs. I've seen great blessings come in the very middle of great tragedy. I've seen people experience joy in the Holy Ghost when they should have been experiencing sorrow and grief and tears. I know God can and I know God will do all of these things. But now it also rests back on something else. You see, he said that he didn't say that whatever you're asking for, whatever you're seeking for, whatever you're knocking for will be what he gives. He said, how much more then will the Father give you the gift of the Holy Ghost? Not the gift of an extra 
Not the gift of a new job. Not the gift of a new car. Not the gift of someone doing something for you. But the good gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, other places he talked about that. In John 14, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I talked about that, that this morning. You know, one of his commandments was to be baptized. And I believe we've still got water in here in case anybody wants to tonight. We do. So if you decide to give your life to Christ tonight and you want to be baptized, we'll get right on in there. If you feel the tug of the Holy Ghost telling you you need to rededicate and reproclaim to the world that you profess Him as Savior, we'll get in there. I have no problem with it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what is His commandments? The two greatest is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I will pray the Father. In other words, if you love God, then you will keep His commandments then. If you do this, then Jesus will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. You've come too late to tell me the Holy Ghost don't move anymore. You've come too late to tell me the Holy Ghost don't make someone speak in tongues. You've come too late to tell me that the Holy Ghost will not do everything you need in your life. Why? Number one, because Jesus said when the Holy Ghost comes, he will abide with you forever. There's no expiration date on the power of the Holy Ghost. There's no expiration date on speaking in tongues. There's no expiration date on the gifts of the Spirit. There's no expiration date on the fruits of the Spirit. He will abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. Now, if you want to know God's will for your life, the Spirit of truth. Get in the Spirit of truth. If you want to know if you're okay getting that new car, get in the Spirit of truth. If you want to know it's okay if you go here or go there, get in the Spirit of truth, and I guarantee you the Spirit will guide you into truth. If you want to know what's okay for your life, walk in the Spirit instead of the flesh. Amen. You can't walk in the Spirit if you don't have the Holy Ghost. You can't walk in something you don't possess. If you don't possess my car, you can't get in it and drive down the road. You have to be in possession of it. You have to have the keys to it. You have to know how to make it operate. You have to know how to give it some gas and get it on down the road. You have to do the same with the Holy Ghost. You have to know that it's something God wants for you. You have to know that you need to spend some time in prayer and fasting and, and worship and all of these things to be able to walk in the Spirit. And when you know how to operate in the Spirit, then you will know what truth is for you. That verse goes on, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. In other words, if you're in the world, you're not, you're not of the Spirit. It's black and white. It's plain. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. I don't want you to raise your hands. You can if you want to, but I don't want you to. How many of you in here know Jesus Christ? You believe that He has set you free, that He is your Savior. You have submitted your life to Him. Well, see, if you can say yes to that statement, then what Jesus said is you know the Holy Ghost. For He dwelleth with you. 
In other words, the moment you come to this altar, I've said it time and again, you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit pulling you to confess Christ. And the moment you submit your life to Christ, then you are sealed with the Spirit. In other words, He dwells with you. That's exactly how Jesus Christ put it. There's no plainer way to understand the baptism of the Spirit versus the Spirit's work in salvation and as a Christian. He dwells with you. But now, unless you have spoken in tongues, and I'm not going through Acts, I'll do it privately if you want to, and I'll be doing it on Pentecost Sunday. But for now, understand what I'm telling you. If you're saved, He dwells with you. But Jesus made the promise that he shall be in you. Now, why would you reject the promise of Jesus Christ if you love him? Why would you reject something God has for you if you love him and follow his commandments? That's the same passage. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. You go over a couple chapters, and Jesus is still talking about the spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You go on down to verse 13, and this is 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come you want to see your family saved get filled with the holy ghost you want to learn how to walk day to day in your life get filled with the holy ghost you want to be a better witness to those in the workplace get filled with the holy ghost you want to learn how to lead your household better come and get filled with the holy ghost if you want to obey what God has set before you, what He has ordained, and you want what He has for you, come and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost, one, will give you gifts also. Now, I understand, and I'm going back to the text here in a minute if I have time. But understand that the Holy Ghost is a gift from God. But when the Holy Ghost comes, he also will gift us with other things. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. In other words, I don't want you to lack knowledge about what the Spirit will do in your life. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. This is Paul talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I started at verse 1. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in all. Manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Every person can experience this manifestation, baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can, 
But you have to seek for it. You have to ask for it. You have to knock for it. It's not just going to fall on you like an apple falling out of a tree and knocking you in the head. You've got to ask God for this gift. I'm getting back to that. For the one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. You want some wisdom in how to live life? You want some wisdom in how to lead your family? You want some wisdom in your finances? Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. You want to know how to talk to someone to lead them to Christ? Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. You need knowledge on how to run your house? Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. You need knowledge to be able to do your job? Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. To another, faith by the same Spirit. You feel like you're dragging down, you can't quite get what you need? Your faith needs built up a little bit? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. I know this ain't popular, but I'm telling you the truth tonight. If you want to live a godly life, you'll take what God has for you and you'll get filled with the Holy Ghost. It might take you a day, it might take you two years, but what you'll do is you'll ask and you'll seek and you'll knock until you get what you need from God and let Him fill you with the Holy Ghost, which will lead you into everything that you could ever want, need, or ask. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. You got a knee bothering you, you got an arm bothering you, you got an eye bothering you, you're going to get tired of hearing me say it, come and get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not telling you God will immediately take it away, but I'm telling you that through and by the Holy Ghost that things can happen that won't happen otherwise. You need to see a miracle happen. To another, the working of miracles. Miracles can be a multitude of things. There can be miracles in finances. There can be miracles in physical health. There can be miracles of reconciliation in relationships. There can be miracles of doors being opened that you were told would never be opened. There can be a multitude of miracles. But if you want to see miracles happen, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. You want to be able to prophesy. Now, let me clear up prophecy. You know what prophecy is at its very heart? It's proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. It's being able to proclaim this right here, thus saith the Lord. There's salvation under no other name other than Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can build your life up on other than Jesus Christ that will ever stand. That at its core is prophecy. It's not looking at you and saying, oh, God has a word for you, but I couldn't get you into church, so I'm going to tell you on the parking lot, God said a million dollars is going to come your way. God said you're going to live until you die. I know I'm living until I'm dying, and I probably won't see a million dollars all the days of my life. You can prophesy all you want, but it said if you want to prophesy, if you want to be able to proclaim the word of the Lord, get filled with the Holy Ghost. To another, discerning of spirits. You want to know why someone's acting the way they are? You want to know if they're just ignorant or if they're filled with the devil? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because I'm telling you, not everybody that acts ignorance of the devil. Sometimes they're just stupid. All right, I'm a little too blunt sometimes. but It's the fact. Sometimes you're just stupid and you do stupid things. It ain't the devil got nothing to do with it. Number one, if you don't want to act that way, get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you want to know why someone else is acting that way, get filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll be able to discern. 
You want to be able, we've heard it in here, I've heard it all in my life, someone give a message in tongues and then there be an interpretation. You want to be able to declare a right now word to a church, get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to know what that word is, get filled with the Holy Ghost. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man, not one, severally as he will. Just because you feel like you've got one gift of the Spirit, let me tell you something, brother or sister. You need to come and you need to ask Him to give you more. You should never have so much of God that you are satisfied. You should always want more and more and more. If you've got the gift of healing, praise God, thank Him and dance down the aisle for it. Then get back up to the altar and tell Him you need to be able to have a word of wisdom. If you get a word of wisdom, thank God for it, shout around the church, get back up to the altar and ask him to give you the gift of discernment you get the gift of discernment thank God for it swing from the chandeliers and run the pews run them right back up to the altar and tell him you need something else from the Holy Ghost it don't matter what you've got you can always get more and if you want more of God then you need more of the Holy Ghost you want to know how to love get filled with the Holy Ghost you want to know how to have joy, 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 joy down in my heart? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to know how to have peace in a chaotic world? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to know how to learn some patience and be able to overlook some of those people I was talking about that are acting crazy? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to learn how to be gentle with someone? Something I'm working on. God needs to help me with it. I'm just be honest with you. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to learn how to be good? You want to really be a good person. You really want to know how to help your neighbors and interact with people. And you just want to be filled with goodness. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to have faith. Faith that can move mountains, faith just the size of a mustard seed. Guess what? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to learn how to be meek? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to learn how to have an even-keeled temper? Guess what you need to do? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because against these things, such there is no law. Understand, I just went through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is the gifts of the Spirit. Then I switched over to Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, which are the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. If you want to do these things, if you want to be a person that your granddaddy and grandmommy and, and mommy and daddy and kids kids can be proud of, then get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you want to avoid trouble out in the world because they keep bringing false accusations, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Against these things, there is no law. There is no law out there that is against being a good person, against loving people, against being full of joy, against having peace in your heart when all of the world is falling apart, when that things are happening across the world. Even our brothers and sisters in Ukraine in this season, those 
though their houses are being destroyed, orphanages have been evacuated, all of these things are going on, some of our pastors over there still have a peace in their heart. Why? Because they're filled with the Holy Ghost. I know you're tired of hearing that phrase tonight, but if we go back to that text that I read, we need to understand the context that this is in. And I'm, I'm going to take time to go through it. Do you understand that Luke chapter 11 starts out with what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer? It ends with saying that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. But the very first thing that begins that whole passage to take it in context, says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he had stopped praying, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, Jesus looked at his disciples, and he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then we get to the text that I read. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend that shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Now, verse 7, I really like. And I think it lends itself more to the ask and seek and knock. Because it says, And he from within shall not answer and, and, and say, Trouble me not, door shut. And actually, it's verse 8 that I'm going to end up in. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto thee, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise. Because of his persistence, he will arise. Because of his shamelessness, he shall arise. Friends, let me tell you something. God ain't rising up off of his throne because you're his friend. Now, you may not like that statement, but he ain't rising off of his throne because you're his friend. I know there's a song, I am a friend of God, and I know there's scripture that could back up you're a friend of God. But the fact of the matter is, is he's Lord and King. He deserves fear and honor. And he rises because we are shameless in coming to him. We don't care who sees it, who thinks what about it. We know that he has what we need. Now, why would you go to a friend's house when you're in need that you didn't know whether they had bread or not? When you are in a bad place and even someone has come to you because they have even less than you and you need to find somewhere to get what you need, you're going to make sure you're going to the right place. And, and furthermore, you're going to be shameless when you go. Your shame has been checked at the door because you have a great need. You're going to be persistent because you can't go back home empty-handed. You're going to go to the place where you know you can get what you need to satisfy your current situation and when you do that he will rise and give him as many as he needs I say unto you ask 
Now, in Matthew, it uses a participle because there's a parallel passage in Matthew. It uses a participle, which basically means ask and keep asking. Ask and keep asking. Ask and keep asking. Now, in Luke, it uses a different form of the word. It uses an imperative. This is not a suggestion unto you. Now, I, I would propose to you that you probably need to take it as both. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. But you also need to take it as the imperative command that it is. When you need something, you need to ask. It will not be given to you unless you ask. It is not a suggestion. It is not a recommendation. But rather, it is a command from God that if you have a need of something He can fill in your life, what you are commanded to to do is rise up out of your pew, get into the altars, and ask Him for what you need. And when you do, it says it shall be given. It doesn't give a time frame. It doesn't say you shall receive at this very moment. I believe that can happen, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying that in due time, when God seems right for you, that it will be given unto you. If you seek ye shall find. If you don't look for something that is hidden, you will never ever find it. If you have lost the keys to your car, and you, you will tear your house upside down to find them. If you lose your wallet with your debit card in it, and you're worried that someone is going to get into your money, you will take days, weeks, months, until you can find it. Because you don't want them to rob your bank account. Yet when you have lost everything in your soul, and you have lost your family, you you will set it home on a Sunday morning. You'll set it home on a Wednesday night. You'll set it home on a Sunday night because you're not even the least bit worried that you need to seek and find. But God said, if you will seek, ye shall find. God hasn't hidden himself from the world. He hasn't hidden himself from the church. But I promise you what we need to do is seek after him and he will give us what we need. He will help us to find what we need to make it through this day. He will help us to find what we need to make it through tomorrow. He will help us to find what we need to go into the next generation and keep our children and our grandchildren from dying and going to hell. He will help the church if we will but seek Him. Knock and it shall be opened. I'm going to say the same thing again. If we don't knock on that next generation, they're not going to open. If we don't knock on that next generation, they're not going to open. If I don't knock on the hearts tonight, they won't open. If I don't knock on the doors of heaven, try to rattle the doorpost, it ain't going to open. You can take that every way. You can take it horizontally to those around us. You can take it vertically down to the next generation. You can take it vertically up into the gates of heaven. If we don't knock, it will not open. And what Jesus has given us is not some kind of request or suggestion, but rather, yet again, it is a command that we are to ask, that we are to seek, that we are to knock, and that if we will do these things, He will open the doors for us. Because He says, everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. And then he goes into another little parable almost. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? 
stone is worthless. A stone is not going to fill you up. You can take a stone and you can chisel at it, you can paint it, and you can make it look just like a loaf of bread. And it is useless. It is absolutely useless. But a father is not going to do that. They're not going to give something useless to their son when they ask for something they need to fill them up. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? You see, a serpent is not only useless, it's also harmful. You get by, bit by a serpent, you can die. If it's the right serpent. There was a church down in Mercer County 10, 15 years ago. It was a snake handling church. Pastor got bit by a rattlesnake. Refused to go to the doctor. Three days later, he was dead. So not only was that serpent useless, it was also harmful. So if you're asking for a fish, which is good for food, matter of fact, bread and fish were the staples of the Galilean diet. So if you're asking for just the basic things that you need in life, the Father, either earthly or heavenly, is not going to give you things that are useless and harmful to you. Or if he shall ask an egg, they also eat eggs. That was part of their diet. And a scorpion is much akin to a snake. Not sure why the, the double use here. But a scorpion is the same. It's useless and harmful. It can sting you and kill you. Certain varieties can. So then he goes to 13. We're all born in sin. If you're not saved, you're evil. You may not like my statement. I don't care how good you are. If you're not saved, if you're not walking in the spirit, you're walking in the flesh. And that makes you walking in the ways of the devil. But still, some of you know how to give good gifts. You'll take care of your children, will you not? So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father Give not that bread, not that fish, not that egg. But let's go all the way back to that Lord's Prayer. You want to know what the Holy Ghost will do for you tonight? It'll help Him let you recognize that the Father which is in heaven is a hallowed name. It's a holy name. The angels are flying around God right now crying, holy, holy, holy. And can I tell you that you can't recognize that without the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've already read you the scripture. You go on down the Lord's Prayer. You want God's kingdom to come? Are you tired of the things going on in this world? You're tired of all the chaos and mess, and you're ready to see revelation fulfilled? And even, in fact, you are ready to pray as Jesus told you to pray at the end, even so, come quickly, then get filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's what the Holy Ghost will do for you. You see, that's the end of the passage where God, where Jesus said, Pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be the name. The Holy Spirit will help you recognize the holiness of God. Thy kingdom come. You really want God's kingdom to come? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Take that gift. You really want the will of God to be done? You have to be full of the Holy Spirit to do that. 
as in heaven, so in earth. You want your daily bread? Then take the good gift of the Father. You want your sins forgiven? Take the good gift of the Father. You want to be able to forgive those people that have wronged you and trespassed against you, that have put you down and cut you down and badmouthed you? Because that's the right and Christian thing to do is to forgive them. Do you want to be able to? Take the good gift of the Father. You want to be kept away from temptation and delivered from evil? All right, that's the Lord's Prayer. And He ends it by saying, How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? If you want to be able to pray the Lord's Prayer and mean every word of it, you need to take the good gift of the Father. If you want all those gifts of the Spirit, you need to come and take the good gift of the Father. If you want the fruits of the Spirit working in your life, you need to come and take the good gift of the Father. If you want to be able to get through life and know that at the end of the road, without a doubt, that there is a heaven waiting for you, and you'll be able to shun hell and walk away from it, then you need to come and get the gift of the Father. If you want to see people healed at your hands, then you need to come and get the good gift of the Father. If you want to see people saved under your ministry, then you have to come get the good gift of the Father. I'm here to tell you tonight one thing and one thing only, that God has promised His Holy Spirit to all that would ask and if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, He will not withhold the good gift from you. Now I would imagine there's a house full of needs in here tonight and I can't fix a one of them. But I know that with an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that things can be set right. I know that through an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that people can be set free, that people can be reconciled to God, that people can be healed. I know that through the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that we will be able to walk out of here and we'll be able to walk better tomorrow than we walked yesterday. And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually. I'm talking about being endued with power from on high so we can go forth and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't need to go tell them they're going to hell. They know that I need to tell them I know a man who can set you free I know a man that can touch you and change your life I know a man that can deliver you from your addictions I know a man that can make the meth come out of your body I know a man that can make you never want another injection of heroin I know someone that set me free that can make you never want another pill another drop of alcohol another anything I know the one that can set you free and if you want to be able to do that what you need to do is come get the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now my altar call tonight is just exactly this simple. Let me go back to what I said first. There's no other name under heaven that you can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. That is number one. If you need to submit your life to Christ, you need to come submit your life to Christ. You need to come and you need to cry out to God and Jesus will save your soul. And if you so desire, I'll take you right back here and baptize you the same night.
But two, I would encourage everyone, 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 not one person. If you're saved, you need to come and ask God to give you a gift. Jesus did not put it forth as a suggestion or a recommendation. It was an imperative command. Ask, seek, knock. It really was an encouragement to go on praying, asking, seeking, knocking. Despite your lack of an immediate answer, Jesus commanded you to ask, seek, knock. And you can come up here and you can do that with confidence because God is gracious. In Hebrews, he said to come boldly before the throne of grace so that you may seek mercy or find mercy and grace in your time of need. I would encourage everyone, first, if you are not a Christian, you need to come and submit to Jesus Christ. I can't stress that enough. I can't stress that enough. You don't know when your days are up. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way. I by no means am trying to put fear into you. I'm just telling you a fact. You never know when things will happen. I buried one of my very best friends this year. Exact. We were born three days apart. Three days apart. He was saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. He was preaching the Word of God and helping one of my other friends pastor a church. And he was gone. He went to the ER on a Sunday morning and he never come home. He left a wife and he left three kids. His brother died three weeks later. To the day, three weeks later, I buried him also. One's 47, one's 48. Earlier in the year, I buried another friend that was 47 years old. Now, I'm not telling you this to scare you tonight. I'm telling you this tonight because... Just because you're not 80, 90 years old doesn't mean a thing. It don't mean a thing. But what I know is if you have the peace of God in your heart, if you're following Jesus Christ, when you die, you've got something far better waiting. And it's not better if you don't come to Christ. The altars are open tonight. I would encourage everyone to come and simply ask God for the gift that He has for you.